Hi, this is Steve Newell, and you're listening to the Bible Noodler podcast. Bible noodling is pausing over scriptures that make you think, hmm, I think there's more to this passage than meets the eye, and taking some time to sit back and noodle over it. Now, sometimes you stumble on something, and and it's pretty awesome, and sometimes it's a dead end. But our theme for uh, Bible Noodler is comes from Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. So let's start noodling. Today we're going to talk about Palm Sunday when Jesus kicked off that faithful Passover week by entering Jerusalem on a colt. Now a little background. In Jesus's time, Devout Jews from the areas surrounding Jerusalem and really all over the world returned to Jerusalem to celebrate three annual Holy Weeks, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. So we're approaching Passover now. Now, Jesus had stirred up a lot of excitement and controversy over the three years of his public ministry, and Jews coming to Jerusalem from all over likely were discussing whether Jesus was the Messiah or just a good teacher, or whatever. Now, Jesus was really beginning to threaten the Pharisees and teachers of the law with his teachings. Uh, And the fact is, he was gaining more influence over the Jewish people than they were. So things were kind of headed for a showdown in this week of Passover that was just beginning. So now all these pilgrims are coming into Jerusalem. They're streaming into Jerusalem from all directions. And that's setting the scene as Jesus uh, comes into Jerusalem himself. So let's read from uh, Matthew 21, verse 1. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to the Lord, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place uh, to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So, he goes into the city and he um, he makes his way to the temple and then he goes to the temple and that's where he upends all the uh, money changers tables because these money changers, they were uh, taking uh, foreign money and um, 
uh, giving them back Jewish uh, temple money because you had to use Jewish temple money in order to to uh, buy sacrifices. But they were really gouging people. So it was a uh, uh, you know they kind of had all these pilgrims at their mercy, and so uh, there was just a lot of uh, price gouging going on. And so um, Jesus comes in and he comes in and upends all the tables and and uh, you know makes a whip out of cords and and uh, and so uh, the chief priests and the teachers of the law they're they're very upset that the children in the in the you know in the courtyard are singing Jesus's praises literally and it says when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts Hosanna to the son of David they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never heard from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? Or another translation is, you have, uh, from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have ordained praise. So, um, so that's setting the scene. There's a lot of tension between Jesus and the Pharisees, and Jesus has quoted scriptures here that that you know, look, even the, even the children understand that um, that I'm the Messiah, and uh, so so here's the question though, why would Jesus stage this kind of entrance, riding a colt into Jerusalem, as Jerusalem is is filling up with pilgrims, so. A little bit more background. Um, the thing about the Jews that you've got to remember is that all the Jewish children from a very, very early age begin memorizing scripture. So they know the scripture pretty well. They know it pretty, pretty much inside and out by the time they're adults uh, because they've been memorizing it for so long. Obviously, no one can afford uh, to have their own set of scriptures because they're handwritten and so on and so forth. And I mean, they're, they're, you know, literally priceless. And so uh, all these people are, have memorized the scripture. And so when Jesus gets on a cult and comes into Jerusalem, comes into the whole city, Holy city on, on a cult, of course, it's going to invoke uh, this passage, uh, from Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says, Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Everybody's going to get that. That's a very famous uh, messianic uh, prophecy. And so basically Jesus is, by getting on this colt and choosing to make his entrance on a colt uh, into the city, with this whole crowd of people um, watching, he's basically stating, he's basically answering the question that everybody has on their minds. Is this guy the Messiah? And Jesus is saying, yes, I am the Messiah. I'm going to, I'm going to come in on this cult and I'm going to um, uh, uh, follow this prophecy, fulfill this prophecy in Zechariah. And, uh, and so He's really trying to communicate very straightforwardly, I am the Messiah. So um, the people are excited about it, but the leaders are very agitated. 
Uh, and, and, and then, of course, uh, Jesus parks his cult at the temple, and he starts driving out the temple workers who are changing money. And, um, uh, and they say to him, hey, you know, do you hear what the children are saying? And he's saying, yes, they are ordaining me. And so who do you ordain? You ordain a priest. You And ordain means uh, it can mean to anoint, uh, appoint, um, whatever. So he says basically um, that, yeah, these children are anointing me. And you could either anoint a priest or you can anoint a king. And so Jesus is basically using that scripture to say, yes, uh, they are anointing me as the king. So um, he goes, so he comes back the next day to the temple and he is teaching. And uh, one of the uh, teachings that he uh, starts is this parable of the tenants. And uh, basically it's a picture of a, uh, a remote owner who owns a vineyard and puts people in charge of the vineyard until he's ready to come back and take control of the vineyard. And so, of course, it's talking about God uh, putting the leaders of Jerusalem, the religious leaders of Jerusalem, uh, in charge of his vineyard, which is, of course, the the people of Jerusalem, the fruits of his uh, uh, of uh, of God's rule is the people and their hearts. And, uh, and he's saying, okay, I'm, I'm sending my son now and I want to gather all the people and I want to uh, give them over to my son, basically. So the parable goes like this. Listen to another parable, verse 33. It says, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect the fruit or, you know, the Jewish people. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. Of course, the son is Jesus. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's take him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? And the people replied, he will bring these wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. So he's quoting a, a scripture from Psalm 118, and keep that in your mind, Psalm 118, because Psalm 118 is going to be very um, important in this Passover season. So anyway, he quotes this passage, and then he says, Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, 
but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. So clearly, Jesus is confronting the chief priests and the Pharisees. He's saying, look, I am the king. You've been running things for my father for a while now, but I'm here to take over. And you can either surrender your authority to me or you can kill me. But make no doubt about it. I am the cornerstone. I am the king. So it's interesting because this whole plot line of leaders trying to displace Jesus references another royal transition from about a thousand years earlier. And who does it involve? None other than King David and his son and heir, Solomon. So in 1 Kings chapter 1, King David is old and he's dying. He's, he's got a number of sons, but he has promised Bathsheba that Solomon, their son, will succeed him as king. But one of the other sons decides to try to take advantage of David's weakened state. So he gets a crowd of friends together and he, uh, he jumps in a chariot and he uh, goes throughout the, the city and his friends are surrounding this chariot as he's going throughout the city and they're announcing he's the new king. He's going to succeed David. Uh, you know, worship the new king. And, and so he, uh, he, he does that for a while. He gets the whole city stirred up that he's going to be he has succeeded David as king. And he goes and he throws himself a, um, a big banquet. So. Um, what happens after that is Bathsheba, the, the wife of, of King David, hears about it, and she goes to David and says, listen, you know, one of your other sons is claiming the kingship, and he's, he's uh, basically uh, uh, claiming the, the kingship, and he's, he's pushing our son Solomon to the side. So guess what David does to affirm to the whole city, to the whole country, that his son Solomon is actually his chosen successor to be the next king of Israel. The first thing he does is he directs his staff to get his mule out, the mule that he's ridden around for years, and everybody knows that's King David's mule, okay? And he he sets Solomon on his own mule, and he has uh, he has his assistants anoint Solomon as king, and then lead Solomon throughout all Jerusalem on his own mule, and announce him as the anointed king, my chosen successor. So wow, you see the dynamic here. Um, Solomon is. Um, Solomon is being challenged that, well, you're not really the king. I'm going to take over the kingship. And so King David comes down and he says, no, I'm going to put you on my mule. I'm going to uh, authenticate that you are, in fact, the, the new king. And, uh, uh, and I'll have you anointed and it'll be announced and you will be the king. And so in Jesus' um, situation, Jesus is coming into the city, and the question is, who's going to be the king? 
is Jesus going to be the king? Is he going to lead the people? Is he going to build the new kingdom? Or is it going to be the Pharisees that lead the kingdom, uh, the, the, the people, and continue leading the kingdom that they've been building on their own for themselves? And so uh, Jesus um, makes a very tactical decision that uh, he's going to announce his own messiahship and kingship by purposefully getting a mule or getting a colt and riding into Jerusalem and basically accepting the mantle of messiahship and accepting the praise from the people and acknowledging the ordination from even the children that he truly is the king. So uh, very, very intense, lots of things going on in the background. Obviously, uh, the Pharisees who are well-versed in the scriptures understand immediately what Jesus is doing here and are very threatened by it. And uh, this, this uh, kind of heightens the, the drama and the conflict between uh, Jesus and the Pharisees right from the very beginning of the week. And we know how it ends on Friday with uh, the Pharisees and the religious leaders having Jesus killed. Um, so we're going to close here right now. Uh, very interesting stuff. But uh, there's one other curious detail from this story that we didn't discuss here. Jesus specifically in th this story is in four different uh, Gospels. It's in all four Gospels. And in two of the Gospels, it mentions that Jesus specifically asked for a cult that has never been ridden. And that's a kind of a niggling thing. Again, you know, Bible noodling, it's, it's, it's looking at and saying there's a reason why Jesus requested a, a cult that has never been ridden. Why would he do that? And um, it doesn't really explain it, but I'm going to give you a hint. If you want to check out uh, 1 Samuel chapters 5 and 6, there's a very interesting story in 1 Samuel verses, uh, chapters 5 and 6. Read through that, noodle through that, and see if you can figure out the connection between what happens in 1 Samuel chapters 5 and 6 and what happens uh, with Jesus requesting a cult that has never been written. And uh, if you want to discuss it further, go ahead and email me at steve at Bible Noodler. That's Bible, N-O-O-D-L-E-R dot com. And um, we'll, see, we'll see what you come up with. But again, thanks for joining today. And I'll be sending more uh, a short podcast about Easter week to keep us in the season uh, in the coming days. And just remember Proverbs 25, 2, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. So keep noodling. Bye-bye.